And we give you a plan like, hey, study for an hour every day. Here's what you should watch. Here's what you should do. And then on day seven, you should be ready to take your test. Welcome to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. We're your hosts, Scott and Katie Mulchan, and we make it easy to start working on, not just in your landscaping business. We're a real couple that helped grow our family business to well over a million dollars in revenue. And now we help other landscaping business owners just like you to do the same. Are you ready to build your business? Let's get started. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Now, today we have a very special guest on. His name is David Young of the Drone Launch Academy. I've been wanting to get David on for a little while because I've been seeing more and more landscapers going out and using drones to take videos and photos of their amazing projects. And these are all great to have, but there's a legal side to all this. You have to be licensed pilots, according to the FAA. And David's Academy helps teach this and prepare you to take the test that goes along with it. So if you're a landscaper going out flying drones and using it for your business, this is a must listen to podcast. We'll get right into it after a word from our sponsors. Welcome back, everybody. Now, today's podcast, I have someone very special. I've been itching to get this person on here. His name is David Young. He is the founder of Drone Launch Academy, and he is a drone enthusiast. And I'm so excited to have him on here because I'm, I love drones. I, I do have, I have a couple of different ones. I have a couple of racing ones. My kids are into it, so I, I really love it. David, he's an FAA certified advanced ground instructor, which means he can teach you how to fly drones, what to do, and his academy helps you get you all set up to make sure you're flying it legally and all that good stuff. Welcome, David. Appreciate being on the show. Yeah, thanks, Scott. And pumped to be here. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah. So I'm excited. I was very excited when you said yes, you'd be on the podcast because I've been seeing more and more landscapers, you know, taking advantage of these drones and, and all, well, I shouldn't say all, I learned some things from you, but some of the things that could be done with them. And most of the landscapers are using for photos and videos and stuff but I'm not sure they're aware of all the things that go into having a drone, right? Yeah, there's tons of stuff you can do with drones. And a lot of them, you know, uh, we've had Drone Launch Academy for five years now, but even since we started you know, teaching courses, the uses for drones has expanded and is always is getting better. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do. And I'm sure we'll, we'll dive. I don't want to get there too early, I guess. But um, yeah, we, I'll definitely hit on a lot of them uh, as it relates to landscapers and what I've seen people in our community and what I kind of know from the industry. So, you, David, you mind sharing a little bit of, you know, your background, how you got started, because I think it's a really interesting story and, you know, a little bit about your Drone Launch Academy. Sure. So, again, uh, my name is David Young, founder of Drone Launch Academy. Uh, I originally kind of got into the, I guess you'd say drone world slash aviation world, because when I was in high school, I wanted to be a commercial pilot. So, I went to college my first year to like a good flight school in Florida. Um, I got accepted there with a little bit of a scholarship. So, I was like, all right, let's do this. I enroll as a freshman, I start taking flight lessons, and then I'm immediately like, you know what, maybe I don't like flying as much as I thought I did. I was like, you're in these tiny little airplanes, way up in the sky. Most of the planes that our uh, school had were older, and you can fly airplanes for a long time. You like Old airplanes are usually still pretty reliable because they do a lot of maintenance on them and overhaul the engines a lot. But still, I'm like flying these planes from the 70s, and I just, am, <laughs> I think I'm like 17 or 18 at the time, and they're always talking about like, all right, well, in an emergency situation, you have to do this and this and this, and 
they always talked about crash landing different places. I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know if this is what I signed up for. You know, and we had little things happen where they weren't really that dangerous, but they just kind of rattled me. Like one time we were taken off or we landed and it was hot. Those airplanes don't have air conditioning. I'm in Florida. It's close to the summertime. So we landed, we were like, you know, repositioning or something. And the flight instructor had opened the door to kind of let some fresh air in. Uh, there's only one door on one side of the airplane. And when we went to take back off, he had closed the door and like hit the latch, but I guess it hadn't like sealed correctly. So we took off and the door popped open. It was just like, pop, 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 pop. it was flapping and those papers flying everywhere inside. And I'm like, ah, and he's like, oh, it's fine. He's like, I'll just hold it closed and just come back around and land. And then we'll like reattach it. And I was like, okay, you know, so I, I come back around and he, we get that. He, he didn't seem bothered by it at all. But I thought like, I'm not to get sucked out of the airplane or something, you know. <laughs> Anyways, all that to say, I, I finished through and got my pilot's license. But then after that, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll switch career paths here and uh, go a little different direction. So I ended up finishing out my university college time doing accounting and finance at a different school, Florida State. And then from there, I actually went to the FBI for about eight years doing accounting stuff. So I did a little bit of like payroll forecasting stuff, which sounds thrilling. It's about as thrilling as it sounds. <laughs> and then I also did some forensic accounting. So that's like, you know, working on cases and Ponzi schemes and stuff. So not, again, not really related to drones. But so fast forward to maybe around 2015, I was working as a forensic accountant. It was a guy on my team. He was a former Army Special Operations guy. He was familiar with drones from the military. We were talking and somehow drones came up and he's like, have you seen some of this drone stuff they're doing? And there was like a video of like these FPV drones, which they're kind of like racing drones, you know, where you have the goggles and stuff. And they were recreating one of the scenes from Star Wars where they're like racing through the woods, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I haven't seen this stuff before. And then I was researching it. I don't remember exactly what led me to it. But, you know, at the time I looked and, and saw that you could make money flying drones or fly drones commercially. And the rules at the time were that you had to have a pilot's license, like a regular pilot's license in order to fly drones for commercial purposes, which again, is kind of seems overkill, right? It's like a toy. I have to have a full pilot's license. But if it's not for business, then I can fly it for fun. But as soon as it's for business, I have to have an actual pilot's license. It just seems like such a weird gap. But anyways, so I, I started looking into that, but you had to have some paperwork process at the time, basically submit a document to the FAA explaining why you should be exempt from all these different rules and regulations that currently existed. So when I figured that process out, I actually started helping other people with that process as a little side gig and was making money doing that. And I saw, wow, there's a lot of people that want to get into drones. This is cool. And then the FAA changed it to what the rules are today, which is they created something called a remote pilot certificate. And remote pilot is just basically a drone pilot. To get that, you have to pass like a, an exam, like a, at a testing center, 60 questions. So then when I found out that was coming out as a replacement for the pilot's license requirement, uh, we worked on starting to create a test prep course for it. Now, I was still working full-time for the FBI, but I linked up with a former Air Force colonel who used to be in charge of weather for the Air Force, which was pretty cool. I met him at a conference, and he agreed to link up with me, and then an attorney to teach some of the uh, regulations section. And then I got my advanced ground instructor certificate from the FAA to teach kind of the rest of it. And I was like the least smart of the three of us, <laughs> but I just kind of filled in the gaps. And so we started as a test prep company and that grew. And then I ended up leaving my FBI job to pursue it full time. And then we started adding other courses because once people got their certification, they were like, oh, cool. Now, like, I want to learn how to do this. Like, what do I do with the drone? You know, so we started adding on courses on drone cinematography and photography and roof inspections and mapping you would use for like construction or surveying or some of the stuff we'll actually talk about in a little bit. 3D modeling we're getting into. So kind of expanding once you get your license, here's all the applications you can use a drone for. And so now we're, yeah, around year five or so, five or six, I guess, if it was 2015, 2016 is when we started. So probably six years in. But yeah, and now I'm here talking to you. 
That's awesome. I love that story. I love how you transitioned from pilot to FBI working for them and, and then accounting and then now back into the drone. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's some pretty big swings, but I guess, you know, kind of the aviation pulled me back in. So, <laughs> so like we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of rules and regulations that goes into having one of these and more than what you actually think. I actually learned a little bit about this just from like just doing some little research on YouTube and, and learning like mm -hmm. if you have a business, you have to be registered as a pilot to to do stuff because it's links to your business. Is that correct? Yeah. So the the way the rules are laid out with the FAA, you know, whether you like them or not or agree with them is if you are wanting to fly drones, even like, you know, a real tiny one for anything other than your own enjoyment, just you're out at the park flying for kicks, then you have to have this remote pilot certificate. People call it the Part 107 license because that's just the name the exam got because that's the part of the regulations it comes from. So that includes, you know, you're, you're working for a charity and even you're volunteering and they ask you to take pictures for their event. You know, you're not out there doing that for your enjoyment. You're doing that for them. Technically, they would say that you need a remote pilot certificate for that. Now, I doubt you would get in trouble for something like that, but letter of the law, you could. A lot of people get confused, like real estate agents will think, nobody's paying me to do this. I'm just going to go take pictures of my own listings. Well, that's clearly for a commercial purpose. Um, so then they would have to have that license as well. And then obviously the most clear cut one is if you're going out and you're advertising services for people to pay you to use your drone for them, you would have to have it then. But really the only time you don't need it is when you're doing something only just for your fun and enjoyment. You're on a vacation and you want to go take pictures at the beach or whatever, right? Then you don't need it. But in those cases, you do need uh, something called a trust certificate. So this is for recreational users. It's like a free online course slash test. They call it a test, but it's really, you're just answering questions as you go and it's impossible to fail because the FAA has designed it to where if you answer the wrong question, it just makes you do the question again until you get the right answer. <laughs> so you have to do that and then you get a certificate at the end. So they administer that test through third parties. And so we're one of the organizations that was selected. There's about a dozen of us. So you can go to like dronelaunchacademy.com slash trust and you can take that through us and you'll get a certificate. And technically that's what you need if you want to fly drones recreationally. And all that is, it just tells you about drones, about some of the rules and laws, like, hey, you're really not supposed to fly next to an airport. And if you do, here's what the steps you need to take beforehand to make sure you're cleared and all that stuff. So recreational, you have to trust. Commercial, you need that remote pilot certificate or part 107 license, as they call it. Yeah, so I, from my understanding, you can correct me if I'm correct here, but I, I believe landscapers would fall in there similar to like the realtors they're using it to take photos of other projects or future projects and yep. do fly throughs and videos and stuff so i would imagine that same thing here yeah that would definitely fall under that kind of using it for commercial purposes or you know essentially not using it just for fun although you know you could probably try to argue oh i was just out here enjoying myself <laughs> at this potential client's property taking pictures <laughs> uh, but yeah they, they would they would technically need it right yeah, and that's where I wanted to really have you on to, to let people know of this because I, I just don't think people are aware of it. They don't really know. They see the sure. drones are flying around. Ah, it's cool. Yeah, I'll get one. And you can go buy one at Best Buy and you just start flying around. You don't really know the difference, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of what, what I did. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's what a lot of people do. But um, yeah. so the the kind of, it's called the remote pilot certificate. How you actually get that though is you have to, well, first I would study for it. So mm -hmm. there's prep courses out there. We have a prep course, like I mentioned, but if you if you want to just like, go buy a book or, you know, do other stuff. There's a lot of ways you can study for it. Study up on the content and then you actually have to go to like book a testing center appointment and you have to go into a testing center where they give FAA exams, take the test. You get about two hours to take it and it's a 60 question test 
And it covers everything from weather to airspace to airport operations to, you know, weight and balance of your drone. And they call it physiological factors. So like, hey, how long do you have to wait after you drink before you operate a drone? And oh, if you, you know, if you're flying at night, how is your vision affected? But it's, you know, if you study, you should be able to pass. It's not like you're taking the bar exam or something crazy. You know, I mean, it's, um, you know, with about a week's worth of studying, I say you should pass without any issues. But yeah, you would have to go to a testing center. And it costs anywhere from like 90 bucks to $175, depending on what testing center you're going to. But there is a fee for the exam. But then once you have it, you're good. Nice. So one thing I was looking at is on, on your website, you actually have a very high success rate with people taking your courses and then passing the exam, correct? Yeah. So I think it's like 90, it's something crazy, 99.5 something, yeah. right? Because um, honestly, I mean, I think we've had like 16,000, maybe 17,000 people go through that course and test. So if there's going to be something on the test, like we've seen it by now, we've added it to our course. So, you know, the people that pay for a prep course like ours, typically you're doing that because you don't want to waste time. And we give you a plan like, hey, study for an hour every day. Here's what you should watch. Here's what you should do. And then on day seven, you should be ready to take your test. So we just kind of like lay it out for you really easy. And some people are even like, I'm just going to knock it all out in a Saturday. They'll do four to six hours on a Saturday and they'll go take the test same day and they'll pass. I mean, if you really want to cram it in, you can do that. So people typically will, you know, if they're going to pay for a prep course, they'd want to do it because they're just like, I don't want to hunt around looking at random YouTube videos or trying to find different test prep or like practice tests, you know. So we kind of try to make it easy for people. But yeah, uh, it's been fun to see everybody. And the thing is, we measure that because if you don't pass the test, we give you a refund on the course fee and we refund your testing center fees. That way you're not like out any money. So we basically look at how many people are failing and requesting refunds and getting our numbers from this. <laughs> That's a good deal though. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can offer that because at this point, after doing it for several years, we kind of know it's like pretty infrequent that someone actually will fail because to qualify for that, you have to um, actually finish our course and pass our final exam so that you can prove like, yes, I did study, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. you could buy our course, watch it for five minutes, then go try to take your test. And I'm like, oh, that's not really our fault if you didn't actually go through the material. So the other thing too, with having a drone, you're supposed to get them registered. Is that correct? Yes, uh, you are. So uh, you can look at the uh, drone zone. If you just Google FAA drone zone, it's a little FAA website. They got some cool little drone graphics, but you create an account there and you register your drone. As of right now, it's five bucks to register your drone. And you have to pick if you're a hobbyist or uh, part 107, right? That's what I mentioned about commercial use. So even if you think you might be commercial use in the future, just go ahead and mark it as commercial use. But they're just going to ask you for, you know, what's the like make and model of your drone and just basic information about yourself. That way it's registered and then you're supposed to stick that. They give you a, a registration number, basically like a license plate for your drone. And you can just, you could literally write it on a piece of paper and tape it to the outside of your drone. Or you can get it like little nice stickers, things like that. Uh, so a lot of people, what they do is they get that registration number and then they'll maybe also put like their phone number on it or something. Because if it goes missing, it can be a good way to get it back to you. But it's one of those things where they're trying to eventually integrate drones into the sky all over the place, right? Because they're just getting more and more popular. So that's just kind of the first step in them trying to be able to safely do that. Actually, I have a question on this because I have registered my drones, but I register them under personal use. So I have, do I have to go back in and yeah. re-register or... You know, I'd have to look at that. I'm not, I don't want to give you a, I don't want to give you a wrong answer. Sure. I don't think so, but I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, and again, I don't think that you're going to get in trouble over that. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I was kind of curious after you said that, I'm like, hmm, I'm pretty sure that's what I registered mine. No, I just, as <laughs> when we were, when we were recording stuff on it, teaching people, you know, we came across info that said, Hey, if you're going to have it part 107, might as well just do it as part 107. 
uh, like the commercial use one. But I, I'm not sure. I'd have to go look at it. It's been a little while since I got in the in registered one myself. Sure. So. So is there any other rules? Um, I know we talked before the show a little bit about airspace. Is there anything that we have to be aware of with that? And what, what is airspace? Yeah. So when you, when you're studying for this test, you know, that you're going to, would have to take, uh, they're going to ask you questions about airspace and you're almost going to turn into like a little mini pilot if you take this test and you look what you learn and know. So around every airport, they have what's called controlled airspace or Typically, or on most airports, especially airports that have a control tower or any type of significant air traffic coming in and out. Um, and that means there's going to be like a control tower that's telling people, yes, you're cleared to land, cleared to take off, things like that, right? So that's, you want to get into details about Class D airports, Class C airports. The B airports, Class B airports are the biggest one. So you think about like Atlanta, Dallas, LA, you know, those are going to be Class B. And those will have like several different rings. And basically, in order to get inside of this airspace, you have to get permission before entering with a real airplane. And similarly with a drone, uh, if you're going to fly in any controlled airspace that where it has like a control tower, you're going to have to get prior permission to operate there. Now, the way you do that is they've made it a lot simpler now over the years. So there's, you can do it instantly through, through apps online or on your phone. Basically say, I'm going to fly here. And they have preset altitudes, like max altitudes that you can go with your drone, depending on how close you are to the runways in it? You know, are you in the flight path of airplanes that are coming down to land, things like that. So you should be able to pop up an app. One of my favorite ones is, is actually called Aloft, A-L-O-F-T. They're probably one of the most popular ones, but you can pull that up. You can see where you are and it'll tell you, hey, you can fly up to 200 feet right here. And so you can just say request, you slide it up to 200 feet, you know, go and it'll say, all right, you're authorized to, to operate here and you get a little authorization number and all that good stuff. So that's airspace. It's just the area, the controlled area, typically around airports. Some people, they don't realize they're flying in there. That can cause problems because, you know, unfortunately, there have been a few instances where, I don't know if this was in controlled airspace or not, but there was a guy in LA and he was flying his drone. He wasn't paying attention. He ended up hitting a LA police helicopter. And uh, luckily, no one was hurt. I think the helicopter was a little bit damaged, but uh, he ended up getting arrested for that. And I'm sure he got fined. I, I got to look. I heard them talking about possible, like even jail time. I'm not sure if that happened. Of course, that's like the worst case scenario, right? Like you hit a, something in the sky. But that's why they're trying to like, you know, separate, keep drones and airplanes as separated as they can to keep things safe. Well, I can even say like, I live somewhat near a smaller airport in our area. And just flying our little DJI Mavic, you put it up and it says it on the screen, you know, you're in a controlled airspace or something along it. It gives you warnings on it now. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So DJI, probably the most popular drone manufacturer, they've got like, it's called geofencing where either they'll give you a warning if you're close or just getting into it. But if you're getting into a part of like a flight path, that's really like locked down, it'll just stop you and won't even let you fly through there. Really? Um, so that's one of the benefits of if you have that commercial license. And you're able to get that authorization, you can actually unlock that and you can go through those areas. So I actually had a job where I was filming some like car going down the street or something. It was a job for my friend has a film production company and the flight path went right through the middle of some controlled airspace. And I had unlocked it with one drone, but then I switched drones and didn't hadn't done the process to unlock the airspace with the new drone. So I was supposed to be like following a car. And as soon as I got to that spot at the airspace, the drone just like stopped and wouldn't move forward. <laughs> and it kind of ruined it because the car drove off and I was just stuck there like hovering. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, one reason if you have all your ducks in a row, you can fly in more places and you're not as limited as long as you're following the rules. Very cool. So, well, you mentioned a little bit ago that that one gentleman that is 
drone hit the police helicopter. You got to find people like us, landscapers. Can they get fines if they really you know get caught? Uh, yeah, you can. I would just say the the people that I've seen who have really been fined were like pretty egregious with it. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's a guy in Philadelphia. He got I think it was a hundred and eighty two thousand dollar fine, and that was for flying without a license flying higher than he should have been. It was like a whole litany of things he was doing apparently that he shouldn't have been. And so they assessed these fines on him. Uh, and I think all of his stuff was like on YouTube too. Um, so I would say, you know, if you're out there and you're flying your drone for your landscape company, you know, the chances that the FAA is just gonna like randomly hunt you down and find you with like tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, probably not super high, but I would say the chances that you encounter like someone from law enforcement or a concerned business owner person who's like freaking out saying, Hey, you can't be here. Or, you know, if the cop comes up to you and gives you, you know, asks you what you're doing, you know, if you have a license and you're authorized, you can just show them, Hey, look, here's my license. You know, I'm registered. Here's my authorization to be here. And then, the, you know, there's not much they can do about it at that point. So I would say it's probably a better idea from like a way to kind of keep things buttoned up and professional and just to kind of avoid any issues in your business versus, you know, the FAA randomly slapping you with fines. Although it's, they technically could, but I, I would say from what I've seen, it's unlikely unless you're doing some crazy stuff. Well, that brings up a good point. I didn't think about this till you said it was, you know, if you are licensed and you're flying over, you know, one of your customers or potential customers properties and a neighbor comes over and sees you flying your drone. I mean, more likely you're not super high, but could they say something? Is that like your space to, to fly? Yeah. I mean, if you're there, it's a job site. You have authorization to be there. Just because you can happen to see their property, they can't really do anything about it per se. Now, there's some state laws, depending on what state you're in, saying like, hey, they don't want you like going and specifically like photographing or you know, videoing someone's property without their permission. But, you know, if you're 400 feet in the air and you're taking a picture out here, you're going to capture a ton of stuff, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a little bit more around like privacy rules, right? Like obviously yeah. you shouldn't be flying up into someone's windows because then you're going to be <laughs> having violations of like, you know, reasonable expectation of privacy and stuff like that opposed to airspace. You, you'll be, you won't be in trouble from like a FAA perspective, but you just might need to check what kind of like privacy regulations there are in your state. But most of the time now, there's not really much they can do. And I've seen people too say like, people are giving them a hard time. They're like, look, let me show you the footage. Like I wasn't even like looking out into your place. A lot of those drones cameras are so like zoomed back that like people will just look like little ants anyways, half the time. So let's talk a little bit about drones. Is there any particular brand? I know you mentioned DJI. Is there any other brands that you recommend? Or Yeah, so DJI is probably the most popular kind of consumer drone. They have a lot of options anywhere from three or 400 bucks up to a few thousand dollars. But most of the, yeah, I would imagine people on that listen to your podcast that are, maybe have landscaping business would do just fine. If they're just doing like video and photo stuff with one of these $400 drones, I mean, they'll shoot, nice kind of 12 megapixel images and they'll shoot 4k video like they can do some pretty nice stuff Uh, i would say if you're getting into some more of like the 3d modeling or trying to do a little bit of like survey or elevation type of work using mapping and photogrammetry you'd probably want to get up into the like 1500 range Uh, something like a phantom 4 pro or a mavic 2 pro those are probably two of the more popular ones for mapping. And then if you wanted to get like real fancy, you know, there's, you can go way up if you wanted to. But for most of the purposes, I would imagine people would be, you would get into the $1,500, $1,600 range on the better end. And then on the low end, you'd be kind of in the $400 range and there'd be stuff in the middle. So on the low end, there's like the Mini 2, DJI Mini 2. And I was going to say too, you know, 
we can talk about this at the end, but we have a little course on the mini two that we usually give away to, for free. It's 50 bucks, but a lot of times we'll give people it for free. So I think we talked about giving it to your listeners for free. So if you're listening and you want to check out that drone, what is that drone? How does he use it? I'm sure Scott can give you some link where you can check out that course for free. It just shows you everything about the drone, how to use it and what all the features are. So that would be a good one kind of to get started with. They're around $400, unless you want to buy some accessories and stuff like that. And then a mid-tier drone would be a little bit more like the Mavic Air 2 is probably the beginning. This is around like 800 bucks. And then on up from there is like the Mavic 2 Pro. They came out, they just came out with the Mavic 3, uh, Mavic 3 Pro, which is more of like a cinema. They improved the video quality a lot. So if you're doing like TV shows and stuff like that would be useful, but I wouldn't imagine that you would need it for landscape stuff un- unless you have like, it, it goes super far. I don't remember the exact, but it'll go miles and miles and miles uh, of range. So that's, that's kind of cool. So that's kind of the spectrum of drones. And then there's other brands. If you're like, don't want DJI, Autel, A-U-T-E-L. They have some drones like the Autel Evo. Uh, and I believe those do not have that geofencing thing we were talking about earlier. And then there's a US brand called Skydio, S-K-Y-D-I-O. And they kind of feature or specialize more in like uh, autonomous drones. So they'll have a drone that can like track you and follow you, or you can throw it up around a building and it can kind of do inspections autonomously. Probably not as much for your purposes, but those are kind of cool and get more popular. I'll say I have the Mini 2 and I like it. The video quality is great for what I use it for. I will say though that, you know, since it's, I guess, lower level, lower line, you don't have all the sensors on there. Like I was flying backwards one time recording a a guy mowing and went into a tree because I'm like looking down at the screen and didn't realize the tree branches right there. Like it was fine. It didn't break. I was going slow, but yeah, that's where the sensors would become in play, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And the Mavic Air 2 at least has the forward sensors. That's the drone that I fly a lot. And it has saved me a couple of times because you're looking down, you're looking up, you're, you know, and sometimes if you're a little bit further away, it's kind of hard to depth perception wise to be like, how far am I from that tree or thing, you know, so, or power lines. Oh yeah. Almost clipped a few power lines. <laughs> <laughs> Just those are some of the things you really need to look at when you're looking at these drones. And if you're flying in areas, sure. lots of trees, it might be something to yeah, absolutely. save yourself some money. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. <laughs> little bit of heartache <laughs> and i and i'll say i've clipped several trees and crashed and burned some drones so it's it's happened to me i think it's just part of the hobby or a sport <laughs> oh yeah yeah for sure now we talked a little bit about you know using them for videos and, and pictures and stuff you mentioned 3d modeling want to talk a little bit about that i think that's pretty interesting yeah it's a it's a cool thing that i've been seeing with people in the landscape or landscape architecture world and again this is used for construction engineering a lot of different spaces but uh, it definitely applies to landscape and landscape architecture people typically you know the most obvious use of a drone is oh i'm gonna like take pictures of maybe like before and after pictures or maybe like get a video beforehand to kind of see what the area looks like kind of just another perspective which is useful and doesn't really require a whole lot of skill other than just knowing how to fly it around and not crash into stuff but if you're wanting to like take it up a notch there are things you can do where you can actually take a 3D model of an area. So let's say, you know, like you were going to do something with this building and change the whole layout of what the landscape looked like. You could use some applications that they have to take a ton of pictures from a ton of different angles. It'll construct a 3D model out of all of those images. And then, you know, you could import that 3D model into other things and do overlays on it. Or, you know, I'm sure people are familiar with like different types of design software for sketching things up so you can kind of overlay those on top of each other so you kind of have like 
the real world model and then your sketchups on top of them or, or your drawings. I'm not a, a landscape artist and all the official terminology, but um, so people will do that. But then if you're doing stuff more on, you know, like you're needing to quote things out and you've popped on to Google Earth, uh, you know, Google Maps, satellite view, you're trying to measure stuff. Uh, well, sometimes it's not up to date, right? If it's like new construction and you're trying to look, you're not going to have the building there. And then even even then, like Google Earth, you know, I think it only measures like plus or minus like three feet. So depending on how accurate you need to be. Well, drones, you can use that same methodology, but you create something called an orthomosaic map where you're taking a bunch of pictures and it stitches them together. You use some software and you can do tons of measurements. And depending on the settings and you use and the equipment you use, you can get it down to a few centimeters of accuracy. And so you can measure acreage and the perimeter of this building or the height of this wall or whatever. Well, the height of the wall would probably be more in like the 3D model, but yeah. any type of lateral distances in these other orthomosaic maps and, you know, really quickly and easily. So, you know, we have one of the courses we have, one of the assignments is that, hey, you're quoting out this job and give us the area of all these grass areas and things like that. So students practice on, on that kind of stuff. So that's helpful. A lot of like elevation data too. I don't know how much people are doing in here with changing elevations or, you know, grading, things like that. You know, these drones can capture elevation data too, contour maps. It can do, you can do so much where typically you might have to hire like a surveyor to come on and, you know, a full day, two man team, all this stuff where a drone can capture way more data points and process the stuff a lot faster. And you have like an actual visual graphical representation of it. And again, if you want an actual survey, you would have to work with a surveyor mm -hmm. with your drone if you want it like stamped and licensed, you know what I mean? But it can give you a lot of similar information if you're trying to get that data for yourself on elevation changes and way different land is sloping off in different places, measurements. There's just tons and tons of data you can get with the drones. So you can kind of use it for your planning and drawings. And you can also use it a lot for marketing, you know, if you're just doing videos, but even if you're trying to show a client, hey, Here's what it looks like now. And here's what it looks like now with an overlay of what we're going to do. And you can have that kind of aerial perspective on there. So it's pretty cool. That's huge. Like just even just using it for measurements, I can definitely see the advantage. Because like you said, exactly with Google Maps, you do get blocked out by trees. You may not be there yet. That's that's a great point. And like I loved I didn't realize there was that much of a difference between, you know, you said three feet roughly in, in Google Maps as far as the, the accuracy down to a few centimeters. That's that's a huge difference. Yeah, right. And it depends on like what you're trying to get the measurements for, right? But yeah, depending on the use, you know, that could be a big difference. So I don't, I don't know if you have the answer to this, but do you know any software that does that? Do you like, do you have any brands that you recommend if somebody's interested in it? Oh yeah, mm -hmm. the software that does the, the like kind of the mapping stuff we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, the two most popular ones, and you know, we teach in some of these. So there's a free version. We use this for our fundamentals mapping fundamentals course. Is Maps Made Easy? So it's free to process maps. And, you know, all the images. So you would, there's one software you could use to collect the data. So fly. So you can use uh, Drone Deploy. That's free to use for flying. Um, there's another one called Pix40 Mapper, I believe. It's a free flight tool, flight automation tool. It kind of captures all the images that you need. And then you would process that data. Drone Deploy and Pix40 both have really good processing to create 3D models in those maps, but they cost money. So if you're like trying to go on the cheaper, you're just learning it. I would recommend using Maps Made Easy because uh, as long as it's a small enough project, it's free. But then if you are going over that, you can just like pay for a certain number of credits to process that if you're just doing like a one time. So you can make it like five bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it is, mm -hmm. however big your project is versus, you know, drone deploy things like 100 or 150 bucks a month. 
Pix4D, the minimum is like probably closer to $200 a month. So for some people can be pretty significant investments. If you're just trying to dabble with it and figure it out, you know, I like maps made easy for that stuff. So those are kind of the three, the three main ones I've seen for common applications. So would that work with the mini two and stuff like that? Would that work with that drone or you have to have something a little bit higher end? Mm, I'd have to look, it might. So I know that the Mavic Air 2, so one of the drones I use a lot, it's like a seven or $800 drone. It works with drone link. It's a different type of soft, like flight automation software, but that flight automation software costs money. It's like, I think I paid 50 bucks. I think it's like maybe a hundred dollar one-time payment to get the functionality that allows you to do the autom- automation. So you can do, I know that the other ones are compatible with like the Mavic 2 Pro and the Phantom 4 Pro, those ones I mentioned that are a little bit more like the $1,500 range. It may be, I could get you an answer. If you just, you could just, you know, for everybody out there, if you just Google drone deploy compatibility, uh, it'll give you a list of all the drones. And if it's compatible with that, it's usually compatible with most flight automation software because it's basically dependent on if DJI has kind of unlocked the developer kit for people to be able to build stuff uh, on top of it. So I'm looking here. So Mavic Pro is supported. It does not look like the Mini 2 is supported. But the original Mavic Air is, which is a pretty inexpensive drone. I think you can get that one for probably around 400 bucks now if you bought it used. But yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't look like the Mini 2 will let you do it. Now, you can just, you know, that's to make it easy with the flight automation. I mean, you could literally just go out there manually, point the camera straight down, take a picture, fly forward a little bit, take another picture. As long as you have enough overlap in the photos for the software be able to be able to like match everything up, it uses the GPS information that's embedded in the photograph in addition to what it sees in the photograph, like they call it tie points. Those are all the common that common points it sees in the photograph to tie them together. So, I mean, it probably wouldn't give you quite as good of a result, but you could definitely do it just manually taking a bunch of pictures that overlap each other. As long as you don't have any big holes in your images and you, know, you just got good overlap, you could throw those pictures in there and, and uh, get something decent. Very cool. A little, a little more of a manual process, but, you know, if you're just trying to work with what you got. Sure. So you do teach this. This is one of the courses you have inside your, your academy is the modeling and everything. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's called um, drone mapping and modeling. So fundamentals is like the, hey, you're new to this and you need to, you know, you want to know about, it's called photogrammetry and how it works and how to go fly the missions, how to know what settings to do, what altitudes to fly at, what happens if the elevation changes or this or that. And then we do some projects to teach people how to do the processing and analysis. We got some some projects. And then we're working on a pro course right now that's going to do a lot more of the 3D modeling, contour maps, inspections using 3D models, things like that, a little bit more like the advanced level. But uh, those are the kind of two courses that are in that domain. Now, do you mind just letting the audience know like some of the courses that you have inside the academy if anybody's interested? Sure. Yeah. So we have some real basic ones, like I was saying, like the Mini 2, I think we call it Mini 2 Mastery, which again, I think it's normally like 50 bucks, but we're happy to provide it to your folks for free, which is just like, hey, here's what this drone is. Here's how to fly it, some flight exercises, things like that, right? And then we have the test prep course for that commercial drone test, right? That remote pilot certification. And we have some supplements for that. Uh, like we have some digital flashcards, an ebook, an audio book, in case people are, you know, want to get that. Or instead of getting the video course, they just want to listen to an audio book in the car or whatever. And then we have courses on drone cinematography, which is aerial video A to Z. That's taught by a guy, Alex Harris. He's a former Hollywood editor and video camera operator. He 
He also teaches a photography class, aerial photography. So they get into landscapes and real estate and a bunch of different stuff because he was always getting asked to take photos on these gigs. So he's like, well, let's just make a course on photography too. Uh, and then we have a course on roof inspections, maybe not as applicable to your folks, but um, it's called Aerial Roof uh, Inspection Pro, but it's a lot about using it for roof inspections, estimates, solar panel install jobs, things like that. And then we have a whole set of courses on starting a drone service business. It's called Drone Business Mastery. So that's all about, you know, teaching people to build websites and get clients and do all the back office stuff. Probably a lot of what you help people with and your stuff for like landscapers. Um, but we kind of do the similar thing for drone pilot businesses. And then uh, we have those two drone mapping and modeling courses that I, that I mentioned to you earlier. But the, the pro version is still being developed right now. But who knows, by the time you're listening to this, maybe it'll be out and ready. Nice. So if anybody wants to learn more about the Academy, where can they go? Yeah, just go to dronelaunchacademy.com. That's our website. Uh, we've got stuff there. We've got some YouTube videos too. Uh, if you go to, you know, Drone Launch Academy on YouTube, uh, we have Instagram as well, which I'm sometimes on there. So sometimes I get on a hot streak and post a bunch and then I like will go dark for a little while. But yeah, dr- the, our website's probably the best spot, dronelaunchacademy.com. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned to you, Scott, earlier, we'll set up some discounts just for your listeners. If you want, I'll, I'll get you some promo codes. Um, I forget what they were for which courses, but I'm sure you can list them somewhere around the episode for people if they're interested and we'll throw some discounts their way in case you want to check out any of those other courses. But yeah, that's that's probably the best spot. I subscribe to your newsletter emails, I should say. I saw you're doing some kind of awards or something the other day for uh, yeah. 1,000K a club. Yeah, so we have this thing called the 1K club. So it's for people who are like brand new, they start uh, your own business. But we have something called the first client club. So when you get your first client, like if you have a drone service business, we send you like a t-shirt and something else. Uh, to like give you a little like pat on the back. Hey, you're, you've got a client. And then once you hit your first thousand dollar month, we send you like this little package with like a little plaque in it. I think this time it was a book, a t-shirt, a plaque, a cookie that I liked from uh, this bakery we have around here. And there might have been one other thing. And then we had people on like a YouTube live. We had like an award ceremony, but basically it was just each of them introducing themselves and saying, hey, here's kind of where I started and what I did to get to be able to, you know, make a thousand bucks in a month, which you know, it's not like a huge amount, but for people who are starting from scratch, it's like a nice milestone that we want to recognize them for. So it's a little bit more of a, a opportunity to recognize them and let them share some wisdom. But I tried to like do it up a little bit. I kind of, I wore a tuxedo and <laughs> had like a green screen and stuff trying to make it a little fun. It was, it was great. It was, it was a good time. Well, David, I appreciate you hopping in here today and chatting with us. I appreciate all the knowledge. And like I said, if, if you guys are interested in learning about the Academy, definitely go check it out. I'm actually going to be signing up myself. I want to do it so I can do it more for our YouTube channel. Definitely go check out the Academy. He can help you get you set up. And, and I love the, the passing rates. What really sold me when I saw those 99 points something, I'm like, oh, that's good because I need it. Well, <laughs> My other reason too is I'm, I'm on my local fire department and we're going to start getting drones there. Um, yeah. We're going to use them for search and rescue and everything. So oh, yeah. that's kind of another reason I wanted to go through your academy and, and get it done so I can yeah. kind of get in the, to the fire department using that. So <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Now there's a lot of cool uses with uh, like the public sector, like first responder stuff um, with like, especially with like thermal drones, search and rescue. Yeah. There's a lot of cool, a lot of cool things you can do. No, oh, thank awesome. you, David. I appreciate you being in here. Anything you wanted to add or anything? No, I just say thanks for having me on. I love I love getting to know other people and it's always cool to look into different ways different industries are using drones, right? Like landscaping and there's just there's so many different applications like fire department, landscaping, this, you know, it's just drones are being used for so much cool stuff. So I'm happy to come on here and hopefully people listening got a, maybe some new ideas or some new thoughts about how they can implement it into what they're doing. Uh, you have some time for some uh, some fun questions? Let's do it. All right. 
what's your worst roommate or house guest story? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had a roommate. Uh, this was like, this was instant. I had, this was in my mind. I had a roommate my freshman year when I was at flight school and he ended up getting in trouble several times for like health code violations because he was so nasty and, and dirty. Uh, he just had piles of trash in his room. One time I walked in, he's just like eating pizza, like bare chested slice of greasy pizza <laughs> sitting on his chest. We all had these like really tiny individual rooms. And luckily he kept the door closed to his room most of the time. But they, uh, one time that we saw a university staff in there with just trash bags, making him just like throw a bunch of stuff away. And uh, he was an interesting character, but that was probably the grossest <laughs> experience I've had. I'm not the world's cleanest person, but I was, that was pretty rough. It gets nasty like that. You got pizza everywhere. It's, it's yeah, well, you got food. <laughs> when, you got, when you got people coming in and being like, listen, we're concerned for your health. You need yeah, to yeah, clean this yeah. up. Yeah, There's, there's something That's wrong there. <laughs> yes, for sure. All right. Would you rather be able to record your thoughts or your dreams while you sleep? Oh, gosh. My, record my thoughts or my dreams while I sleep. I feel like my dreams while I sleep, dreams can get pretty nuts. And I feel like you never remember them. You like, after you wake up 10 minutes later, it's like, gone at least in my thoughts i can i can like journal them or write them down or something but if i could have some recorded dreams i bet i'd have some entertaining <laughs> entertaining <laughs> stuff to watch about last one what's your most unusual talent ah uh, my most unusual talent oh golly this is a tough one i mean it's not necessarily unusual but i've played drums for like i don't know 25 years or something i played drums for my church and nice. i've always done that so that's kind of like a little fun side thing that people don't usually know but I wouldn't say that's really unusual, but, uh, but yeah, that's one thing. All right, David. Well, I, again, appreciate you hopping in here today. And uh, everyone, listen, make sure you go check out the Academy. You know, we're supposed to be professionals. So we'll get licensed, become, you know, get your pilot's license, get your drone registered, you know, and, and set yourself up to be that professional. So you're not running into any issues and having to worry about the FAA, which like he said, David said, it might not happen, but just set yourself right. up to be that professional. In my mind, I'm like, it's hundred ish bucks plus a few days of your life, like it's probably worth it just to get it done with and and not have to worry about any potential other things that could happen. Well, just bringing up like the the flight area in my area near that airport, I didn't know, you know, I'm pretty good distance away. I didn't realize I was still in that area until it popped up my, my, my phone on my drone and like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, those airspace can extend out several miles from the, from the uh, airport. Um, yeah. So, I mean, when I was doing some of these jobs for this course we were when we were recording for the course one of the places whereas i thought we were way far away and i get on there to request airspace access and i'm like inside of the airspace uh and i had to request access and i could only go up so high so yeah sometimes you don't realize you're closer than you are all right david well thank you again and we'll be talking soon have a great yeah, one thanks scott thanks for having me bye-bye Hey everyone, just want to thank you again for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do ask you for one quick favor. Could you please head over to iTunes and leave us a review? A five-star review is even better, but it helps us get our rankings up and help us spread our message. 